Welcome to the Brains Magazine podcast. This podcast is hosted by thought leaders and experts. They have all been handpicked and invited to contribute because of their knowledge and valuable insight within the areas of business, mindset, leadership, and lifestyle. Whether you're starting a business, looking for personal growth, or if you're just here to learn something new, you will get actionable advice from world-class award-winning coaches, experts, and industry leaders from over 50 countries across six continents. If you like what you hear, make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button. You can also visit us at brainsmagazine.com for quality articles, interviews, and daily inspiration. With that said, let's welcome today's podcast host. everyone. My name is Kelsey, and I will be your Brains podcast host today. I am a transformative coach and an expressive arts practitioner, and I work along the edges of the mythic self and personal embodiment for self-empowerment, self-expression, and any kind of personal development that you are seeking in your life. And I'm here with my co-host for the What I Didn't Tell My Therapist podcast, Leela Davis. Leela, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm a creative wellness coach, and I mentor and support folks who are diagnosed or not, who are struggling with health issues and are seeking alternative solutions or strategies for improving their health. And I'm referring to holistic health. So that includes mind, body, emotions, spirit, environment, social, it's all connected. And we are here to talk about the difference between coaches and therapists. I often have clients come to me that are looking for therapy. Really, they're just looking for their life to be different and for some guidance and support. So the coaching can help direct them to that in a more empowered way. That's really about them using their own inner wisdom, reconnecting to their body and their heart and getting out of their mind so much in ways that therapy can do, but does it a little differently. So we talk a lot about that and we thought it might be good to share some of those insights with you for today's podcast. I'm really excited to talk about this because I think there are a lot of in misconceptions about coaching, taking clients away from therapists. And I think really that they can coexist. Like I'm training for medical intuition and part of what my training is that I absolutely have to explain to people that I'm not here to diagnose, I'm not here to medicate, none of that. It's more going into an area that conventional medicine does not often explore, at least Western conventional medicine, when you're looking at things like that may be epigenetic or, or even nutritional. Sometimes doctors don't really understand that. And it's the same thing with health coaching, where I work with people that have like emotional or mental health challenges. I have different strategies and things in my toolkit that a traditionally 
trained therapist may not. Exactly. I think it's a relationship that can be like we have two hands and therapy can go with the left hand and coaching can go with the right hand and be very compatible in that way when done well. Most of my clients are also seeing therapists and I've had one client even say that her therapist told her that he couldn't help her with unblocking creativity and becoming more disciplined in her arts practice, which is what she then came to me for. We've over time built a wonderful relationship. And she said that she's made more progress seeing me than she has with therapy, but she still has that for that extra support and for the things that aren't necessarily my wheelhouse. Ideally, it would be that it's a relationship where each of us, the coach and the therapist are working for the best interests of our clients. In this day and age where things are so specialized, Although I think often coaches, at least for you and I, we're multi-passionate. So we're, we've got our hands in many different pies, but there's a specialization and with therapy, they're working with issues that, that coaches may not be working with. In therapy, therapist is a parental figure. There's this, this attempt to recreate a healthy sort of parent-child relationship between the, the therapist and the client. Whereas my intention is to build up my client so they are experiencing a peer-to-peer. They are embodying their own power and owning their own power. And there's not that sort of power over dynamic that can happen in therapy. I see it a little differently because in any kind of self and personal development work, there's going to be transference. Right. A coach really has, any kind of coach has to be trained in being able to hold that space and form that corrective, you know, they can call it reparenting, but really it's just a corrective relationship to the experiences that happened Mm -hmm. in childhood. I hold that space a lot with my clients. That relationship will just come up naturally just because of the nature of the deep self-work that's happening and the inner children that can come out in the work and the types of traumas that need integrating or resolution or releasing. Yeah, I have also received training in somatic attachment therapy and I'm going into, it's a combined program of internal family systems and somatic experiencing. And at the same time, when I see transference, I'm really not, I am <laughs> really at the very beginning. I am not your guru. I'm not here to be your parent. I can model healthy ways of coping and operating even in these dark spaces. But at the same time, I think the subtle difference between coaching and therapy is that with coaching, you really need people that are willing to take responsibility. They literally have to say, I'm ready to do the work. And that's really where the cutting edge is because there's court enforced therapy where people are really not ready to do the work, but they're in therapy, but they haven't said, Hey, yes, I'm here to do the work and transform my life. And that is where there's a separation because often what's happening with therapy is they're building up their client to get to a point of responsibility. If you go to a coach before you're willing to do that, 
you're really wasting your time and the coach's time and a lot of money. I think a lot of coaches sell the moon or the sun without being very clear that this is a collaboration and we need commitment from the clients to actually get anything done. Those coaches are... It's a little unethical to, to be demanding or expecting people to really make this big transformation without being very clear that they need to actively participate. Exactly. And I think that's why coaching can get a bad reputation in certain therapist circles, because I've known some therapists who are very anti-coaching. I've also known therapists who do coaching in addition mm-hmm. to therapy. So because there isn't as much ethical standards, and there's so many different coaching modalities that can be unregulated in that sense, it really is about the personal responsibility of the coach. And if you're part of an organization that does uphold more therapeutic ethical standards, like I am with the International Semitic Movement Education and Therapy Association, then you know you have more training and you have more guidelines that you follow. It, it really is about both the personal responsibility of the coach and the client. I totally agree with you about with coaching, we work with clients who are already at a place where they take some personal responsibility and have a clear direction that they know that they have to show up and do a certain amount of work in order for the coaching to be successful. The thing about therapy, which is very interesting and can happen also in coaching, but I think in therapy, there's a lot of mirroring in the sense of, I think a lot of people, they can't even really see their problems. There's this sense of not really quite knowing what's going wrong and being a bit lost in what's happening. And they may be doing a lot of venting or complaining, or basically you can do whatever you want (laughs) in a therapy session, just as long as everybody's safe. But But in coaching, there's more of a direction, like you said, there are goals, we want outcomes and so forth. It's a bit more structured, one would hope. If you're going to coach, they should be clear on what sort of outcomes they see for you and, and how you're going to work together to achieve these things. So it's more like a project than it is (laughs) in the sense, like with therapy, one could go for years moving on this issue and moving on that one and kind of meandering around and, and healing along the way, but it's a different type of healing. And I think there can be a lot of overlap because sometimes clients will just need to vent Mm -hmm. that might take up a whole session, but yes, I do think With coaching, there seems to be more emphasis on activities or homework that can help get you from one place to the next place under the umbrella of what you'd like to have happen as the client. I was just wondering, you had mentioned how you've met therapists that are anti-coach. And I would assume that part of that is because there isn't this nationalized standard for coaches at this point, and maybe there never will be. But at the same time, I've heard therapists drop out of their therapy because they felt like it was too constrained, that they didn't want a certain sort of 
guidelines that weren't like, say, for instance, you can't incorporate astrology or you can't incorporate maybe certain kind of spiritual beliefs or these kinds of things that limit what a therapist can do. But then there's many people that want to incorporate spirituality and different avenues of healing that may be closed off to them with the current sort of therapeutic guidelines. Yeah. And then there are also therapists who do include a lot of spirituality and more embodied mm-hmm. therapists now. Mm-hmm. One of the gifts of the pandemic and our current moment in history where there is such an awareness of trauma, there is such an awareness of mental health and people are more willing to speak out about it and seek the kind of support that they need is that there's also more non-traditional therapists who are holistic and who do incorporate a lot of those things. Like with my therapist that I worked with for six and a half years, she is psychodynamic, so relationship-based, but also she calls herself a psycho-spiritual therapist and that she brings in dancing or energy healing or those more spiritual components so in human design and the Enneagram, different things Mm -hmm. to help the client in whatever way they need, just as I do with my coaching clients. So I think there can be some overlap. The clear difference really is just what a client is seeking to get, what kind of support they need, where they are in their own process and who they relate to. That's really... I think the most important part is whether or not you're seeing a coach, a therapist, both or multiple coaches and therapists for different Mm -hmm. things. It's really about the personal relationship you have with each healer that can be the biggest determinant of how successful the work will be. One of the one of the things that I find I and I'm a coach, so I can say this (laughs) about the sort of traditional therapist coach relationship that I have a question about and actually personally is super important in my own healing was the dynamic of transparency from a healer. And I know traditionally, and actually I'm not up on the, all the sort of legal guidelines, but typically therapists are told not share their personal experience. And for me growing up, I felt very, what I was missing was a mentor from my mother and my father. Like I needed to know from them, like how to do life. I was the one that had to all always figure it out. So I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder about 20 years ago. For me, going to therapists and have them just sit there and listen to me was so triggering. I was like, I am tired of figuring it out all myself. I've been doing this my whole blanking life. (laughs) And the last thing I want to do is pay somebody to listen to me because I had friends to listen to me. I had therapeutic friendships and really I have only felt truly healed when I've gone to practitioners who have a voice, who listen to me, but they also have a, have a strong voice. They have an experience. They have something to share. And I feel connected. 
and there's guidelines about therapists not being like they're it's not legal for them to be friends with their patients and so to me it's like what because you were my coach <laughs> how could we not be like impossible all my coaches are dear friends and that's part of the reason why you need clients that are mature enough emotionally to be able to navigate relationships where they may go into the shadow, into these very intimate and vulnerable areas, but there's not a danger of them glomming onto you as some sort of guru or like placing like unrealistic responsibilities on these sorts of things. So that's just something for me. Yes. And also I'm neurodivergent. So there's that part where I need to have people mirroring me or sharing their experiences with neurodivergence or whatever, so that I feel more connected and less weird and not pathologized. I think that is a big difference between coaching and therapy is, yes, we have boundaries with our clients, but there's more room for the friendships and and outside the coaching space for connection and different relationships to form in ways that, yes, can't happen in the therapeutic space. That is a big thing. And also just the level of self-disclosure. Again, I wouldn't disclose a lot about myself to a client unless they asked, and some of them do. I have found that many of my clients want to know about me. They want to know that I can relate or resonate with their experiences in order to trust me as somebody mm-hmm. that can guide and support them in their process. And so there have been sessions where a client just wants to know about me and I have that ability to respond to that. And I think a good therapist also will, but again, it is more limited in what they can self-disclose versus what a coach can self-disclose in a session. Yeah. And then outside of the sessions. Yeah. Typically, even in marketing, for instance, a big part of marketing for coaches is explaining their own personal transformation, which is not a part (laughs) necessarily. I know that the holistic holistic psychologist. psychologist, she does share her story, but I think she's an anomaly. Like she's written books where she includes her story and she mentions that a lot on her Instagram. And she is really working to bridge what coaching and therapy is like she's really good at integrating all these different ideas and she brings in a lot like her monthly program that she offers to people so she's a great example of a therapist that's really trying to move beyond those limitations but generally if you look at a therapist's web page they are not going to be telling about their transformational healing journey per se and they won't necessarily be bringing in personal stories, like ongoing stories of what they're going through and so forth. Whereas coaches are actually encouraged to do that. We're encouraged to be embodying what we are teaching or guiding or mentoring. Yeah. And I think 
it'll be interesting to see what happens in the therapy field as coaching become more popular, like it has in the last several years. It's really taken over the internet and taken over personal development and healing fields. And there are, again, there are therapists who also offer coaching that do like the holistic psychologist, have more of their story out there. And even my former therapist, when we first started, she said we could either do coaching or we could do therapy. And so there are definitely people who offer both. And especially because when you're licensed as a psychologist, you're limited to the state that you're registered and licensed with. Whereas coaching, if you want to see people around the world, coaching and consulting, you can then see people globally or within the country. Yeah. So it it expands the possibilities for helping people. Yeah. And I think the main thing is that is that subtle shift from one to the other. And as you were speaking about therapists that have a, I like to say alternative, but maybe more expansive offerings that often they are not covered by insurance. And so if the person going out there is, oh, do I want to work with somebody? Either way, my insurance is not going to cover it for what I want. So I have to decide whether I need to go the therapy route, the therapy coach route, or the coach route. What would you say if somebody came up to you and said, what are things that I should look for? in a good coach? And what would be red flags? I think a red flag would be if that coach has a specific system that they try to put you in, Mm -hmm. they have these steps for your transformation. And it's been done since the 1970s or the 1990s and hasn't really changed that much because they say this is the thing that will work and that will transform you. And if you follow these steps, if you read my book, I have all the answers. And I think those are the kinds of coaches that really give us that bad reputation in the therapeutic world because it really isn't like that there everyone is unique and any kind of coaching or therapy that can meet you where you're at in your individuality and see you as who you are and not as part of their system or framework that they're trying to box you into that's a big red flag for me for both therapists and for coaches personally in my own experience and certainly what I've observed in the world and friends and clients is that any kind of illness or imbalance is usually quite complex. And when an adult (laughs) is coming to you for guidance or mentorship, support, any of that, they've been dealing with this situation for a very long time. And so there may be many layers. So yes, you could go to a one coach that has their branded system. <laughs> Usually it's like this multi-level marketing type of thing where they're selling you this product and it may answer one of those layers, but then there are all the other layers. And so you've spent all this money dealing, going through this protocol and whatever, 
and you might feel good for a moment, but then, you know, it's just the outer onion and then you need to address those other layers. And so I think for both of us, we do bring in different types of modalities and really listen to our clients. And my whole thing is to awaken a client's own intuitive wisdom when it comes to what they need and their sense of authenticity so that they can make the choices that are right for them moment by moment, literally. And that I feel like any kind of coach or therapist that disengages a person from their intuitive wisdom or personal authenticity is like big red X, wrong answer. Exactly. I have worked with a therapist who is very popular. She's one of the original adoption therapists out there who started doing the research. And I do. I love her research. But when she was practicing and when I saw her, I was very adamant that there's only one way for an adoptee to heal. And that's by reuniting with their birth mother. And that always felt very limited to me because one, that's not possible for a lot of Korean adoptees. There's still only 2% success rate for reunification. So it prioritizes domestic adoptions and open adoptions where that's even a possibility to begin with. But then what, the rest of the adoptees, there's no healing? That just never made sense to me. But I've also worked with a coach that was very, sent me a book that was written in the 1990s and verbatim her coaching session quoted the book and led Mm. you through that system. So again, it's that, can you actually listen and hold space for the person in front of you and meet their needs and work with them? for their own goals? Or are you focused on your idea of what you've been trained in and what you've researched or what you're believing is the answer and prioritizing that and trying to fit people into that? So if you deal with clients who don't follow your system and won't benefit from it, can you adjust and adapt or Mm -hmm. are you stuck in your own perspective? And so that for me is the biggest red flag for any kind of actually any kind of relationship ever is are you stuck in this is the way or are you open to what's happening in the moment and can you adjust you know spontaneously and intuitively and organically to what is actually happening and not your idea of it and I would say for any of the brand systems if it deeply resonates with you I wouldn't necessarily say don't go there. If that deeply resonates with you, fine. But understanding that may only get you so far. And that's fine. I think what people need to understand is that like you, you have different levels of healing. And so to just have a certain kind of understanding or expectations that this may not be the one and done that everybody's selling me to, but it will get me quite a bit. And then you will have to kind of end your relationship with that modality and move on to something else. So I believe for me, I've gone in so many different directions and those things were right for me at that time. But I always had this flexible mindset of, okay, so this isn't quite working anymore. I think I need to find something else. And I didn't despair. I just was like, okay, 
it took me so far. <laughs> I need to move to somebody else. And also it's the practice with coaches often to have a consultation session in the beginning. And I would encourage anybody first meeting with a person, if you're getting the weird tension, oh my goodness, I don't know if I trust this person, do not enter a relationship with that person because there's a lot of us out there. And I personally would be horrified if I had a potential client feeling very strongly or having real strong doubts about working with me to go ahead and enter this very sacred process of collaborative healing. I'm not desperate enough <laughs> in any way, shape or form for ego appreciation or money or any of that. I really want the person to feel as close to hundred percent in wanting to enter a working healing relationship with me. Yeah. And I think that goes back to what we were talking earlier. As coaches, we have more freedom to respond to our clients' needs in the moment as they're coming up. If they say, I need to know that you're a person, who mm -hmm. you are, that I can relate and resonate with you, we can more ethically just drop whatever we were doing and respond to that need of, I need to know you. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's the beautiful thing about the coaching client relationship is that it is mutual, that we're both learning from each other. And I think with therapy that also happens, but that there is that freedom to meet our clients exactly where they're at and their needs that they have in each session. And ethically, I think any practitioner that's involved in the healing space it is so important to also know when you've gone beyond your capacity to actually help a person. And that's why I feel very strongly that I want relationships with therapists or doctors as peers so that I could potentially suggest, I know this amazing therapist and I think that this person would really serve your needs at this time or another type of coach. I think if we're really being honest with ourselves, we always have limitations and that when we go beyond our scope of care, that we're stressing ourselves out <laughs> and also cheating our clients of the very much needed care that they need. There are so many modalities. There are so many coaches and so many different kinds of practitioners. I know when I was very immersed in my own healing, I at one time was seeing a therapist, a somatic experiencing practitioner, an IFC trained coach. I was in a group called Embodying the Feminine that met monthly and there was 12 women. So it was like a support group. And I was going to five rhythms and open floor dances three to five times a week. And luckily I had the resources to be able to sustain that and to really immerse myself in that process. And it really was, it took a team. It took 
lots of investment, both in my own personal process and financially. But that was really what I needed. And that kind of for six years, like deep in that process really benefited me in my life and gotten me to the point where I can hold space and return that to other people. Exactly. From all the coaches that I follow and learn from and work with, the thing that I keep on hearing is that coaches always have coaches. It's never a one and done. And again, going back, you're two practitioners where one has a book and one has a system or ideology, whatever. They're locked in time. And really the paradigm of coaching is this evolutionary healing. There isn't this idea that people are broken and they're fixed and that's it. It's this idea that life is always throwing us challenges and it's this obstacle course, constantly going from one thing to the other, learning different skills and optimizing different character traits. It's just not one and done. And it's like this great adventure yeah, I was having a conversation about the term coaching in a recent Tomobile Life Art Process coaching group with Ken Otter, who's one of the Tomobile faculty. And one person was saying, I don't even call myself a coach because I have such a negative association with that word. I think like sports coaching or somebody who's either aggressively yelling at you or just cheering you on, like a cheerleader. And his response was that if you take coaching back to the original word, it was coaching as a carriage driver and taking Mm. somebody from one place to the next. And that's the idea of coaching that lives on in the professionalization of caring, which is really what both coaches and therapists are in the business of. So where are you carrying your clients from one place to the next? And that idea of coaching resonated with the woman who brought it up a lot more than the sports analogy, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. I don't relate to the sports analogy at all. (laughs) (laughs) If somebody was shouting at me, I'd probably punch them. I don't mind the cheering. That's fine. But somebody shaming me into better performance just doesn't work. Some coaches do that though. Yes, they do. And that's definitely not trauma informed. I think one of the main things for any, like any therapist, any coach, make sure they're trauma informed. And a lot of people aren't aware of how not to trigger and how not to throw you into some sort of shame spiral or anything like that. But it was interesting when you were speaking about the whole coaching paradigm of carrying people or riding in the carriage with that person <laughs> as you're going along. One thing that I've thought about with all humans is that I believe we are all healers in one way or another. We don't all have the responsibility to heal others. Really, the responsibility for healing really rests within ourselves, ultimately. And that what we do have the responsibility for others is holding that light for people when they can't see. So many of the people that I work with, they come with a mindset or just their whole experience is they literally see and experience themselves as worse than they actually are. And me as a coach is to go, Hey, 
wait a minute, <laughs> your mirror is dirty here. And I'm holding up the light so that they can see themselves more clearly. And that's what you did with me specifically in our coaching process was holding up that mirror. And I remember you would repeat certain things that I would say as I ramble on and you say, well, you said this. And I'd be like, wow, that's really smart. Who said that? Did I say that? And that was really helpful. And so I think like I would invite everyone on the planet to really see each other with new eyes, whether you have the skills of being academically trained or you're a yoga instructor, have family members and friends is that just really understanding that we all need someone to hold up that light of compassion and yes, just really seeing the best in each other and encouraging that. And I think that ultimately to me is what coaching truly means. That is the foundation of my own coaching practice is mirroring and being able to hold that mirror up to the client as well as to turn it back around on myself and to be constantly working on my own stuff so that it doesn't get mixed up in that mirroring process. I think that's one of the beauties of the whole kind of professionalization of caring, if you will, is that space for the mirror to go both ways. For coaching to continue in a healthy direction is that every coach needs to do what you were mentioning is that not only you're holding up the light and potentiality and compassionate encouragement for clients to reach that potentiality, but also turning the mirror on oneself and seeing, okay, huh, okay, so this happened in the session and it hit me a certain way. What does that mean? And where's my growth edge? And what do I need to heal? When I'm working with sessions with clients, there is this mutual healing. When you see somebody flowering into their own power or getting a new insight or switching a perspective, that is healing to witness. Transference isn't just one way, it's both ways. So I was just curious about your experience with that and all. Definitely. When I have clients that have similar traumas or similar trauma responses to me, there is that sort of recognition and that deeper resonance where there is more potential for the countertransference or for me to get more attached to their journey. So it does take that extra step of reminding myself that their journey is their own, that it isn't mm -hmm. mine, that their process doesn't have to mirror mine. Often it does just because of the nature of the work, but it doesn't have to. And to not get pulled in to being attached to how they're doing it, but really holding space and stepping back into allowing their process to really shine. And when you see every human being is unique and every healing process is unique, so we all can learn from each other as far as when you witness somebody making certain choices and you're like, huh, I wouldn't have made that choice, but that's interesting. 
that's an interesting thing. And to celebrate everybody for making their own individual choices. Whenever I'm working with somebody, if they thank me, I say, thank you, because this is a collaborative effort. I feel like I'm maybe a step that they're stepping on to get someplace else. It's often a reminder of things that maybe I need to work on a little harder because we aren't always consistent. So it's, as I said, it's an ongoing process. And I'm curious, Leela, you said what coaching means to you and talked a little bit about your history with therapy, but how did you come up with the title for the podcast, What I Didn't Tell My Therapist? And what's the relationship there between coaching and therapy? (laughs) It sounds very adversarial, but it really isn't. It's more an invitation to think about the things that sometimes we don't bring to therapy, for instance, like spirituality, or maybe things like creative blocks, or maybe dealing with certain issues that maybe the therapist is not trained for, per se. The podcast does go into things that are more woo, which I have found to be in my personal experience and also witnessed other people being healed by these various modalities. Some therapists may go, oh yeah, I believe in those things, but in order to have my patients use their insurance, I can't incorporate them into my practice. So that's part of the reason like what I didn't tell my therapist, it's as a potential client, I don't think I'd be very comfortable with saying my moon is in Libra and and the transits are squaring my moon and therefore I'm feeling very anxious today or political situation. I don't know. Healing is a holistic thing. So again, there's like nutrition and movement and exercise and creative expression. All of these things add up to a healthy, happy person. And some of those areas are not addressed typically in therapy, but absolutely are addressed within my kind of practice and in practices like yourselves. Yeah. And if people like our conversation here, they can find both of us talking more in depth about all these different healing modalities and topics. The What I Didn't Tell My Therapist podcast. <laughs> and where can people find you, Leela? My website is leeladavis.com and it's L-E-E-L-A Davis. And then my Instagram is my piece of sanity and the piece is spelled P-E-A-C-E. What I didn't tell my therapist on all the major social media platforms and Spotify, Apple, and so forth. And you can find me at dialogicalpersona.com and on most social media platforms as a dialogical persona. Thank you so much for inviting me to this very rich conversation.